How many of us have ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie, like the get to know you game where you share uh, three statements about yourself, uh, but only two of them are true and, and one is false, one's a lie. Um, to have a little bit of fun this morning and a way for you to get to know me a little bit better, I wanna try this with you, okay? So I'm gonna give you three statements uh, about me and you need to sniff out which one is the lie, which one just isn't true, okay? So here's the first one. The first statement is, I've won a stunt driving competition. Okay, it's number one, I've won a stunt driving competition. Statement number two, uh, I've gotten a tattoo removed. I've gotten a tattoo removed. And statement number three is, I've performed on stage with the Blue Man Group, okay? Those are your three statements. Take a moment. Uh, if you're in one of our locations, you can chat with someone near you. Um, or maybe even at this point, feel free to kind of shout it out loud. I'm kind of curious what people would guess. So maybe you can make a comment or hear one another a little bit. Okay, here's, here's the lie. The lie is I've gotten a tattoo removed because uh, I've never gotten a tattoo removed because I've, I've actually never gotten a tattoo. Um, if you happen to think that one was true, I would be certainly curious to know what regrettable tattoo you were envisioning that I would have, you know, would have had to get removed. Um, but the other two statements, they're true. Uh, the stunt driving competition, my, my dad had once purchased through an auction uh, this stunt driving experience. It used these old BMWs in a stadium parking lot. We went to this together. And at the end, we all got to participate in a competition where like the maneuvers and the 180 and the brake slides, I managed to kind of pull it off with the most points and the fastest time to win. And I've got the certificate there uh, to prove it to you. So uh, I think those speeding tickets when I was 16, they definitely paid off there. And uh, to the last one, um, well, performed with the Blue Man Group is probably a slight exaggeration. I did get pre-selected once from the audience on a cruise ship to go on stage uh, with the famous trio. And uh, I was more of a humiliated prop while they performed. There was like this jello mold that went on my head and paint splattered across the stage. But I embraced uh, my 15 seconds of fame. Uh, so aside from, you know, a bit of lighthearted fun, a way for you to get to know me a little bit better, what does this have to do with anything? Well, at the outset of a new month and a new season in so many of our lives, uh, we're starting a new series called The Foundations of Faith, where we want to spend a month exploring what are sort of the most true things about a life of faith. Really, in a first things first kind of way, get to know a life of Christian faith. And to start us off this morning, what I want to do is, is not give you two truths and a lie, but actually three lies and one truth about the foundations of faith. Because part of what we want to do in this series is actually um, correct some misconceptions, make some course corrections, or even in this case, some deceptions that we sometimes fall into about a life of faith. So we're going to look at three lies and one truth about the Christian faith together today. The first lie I want to share with you, and I'm going to frame all of these as what Christianity isn't, sort of already correcting the lie, so you're following me here. But the first lie we want to examine is that Christianity isn't a formula. That Christianity isn't a formula. I think sometimes we reduce uh, the idea of faith 
down to like a single moment in time, something that we do or kind of go through the motions kind of in one particular moment. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a, a prayer or a ceremony or something our parents do with us at some point, maybe when we're, we're young, we know, I think you've probably heard of, you know, the sinner's prayer and maybe thought of it as the magical formula to faith. And then we sort of live out this idea that, you know, whether or not we completed the formula formula properly at some time in our lives, it determines whether or not we have faith. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, sort of experience the fullness of a life of faith. I think here Jesus is pretty clear that the foundation of faith is not just something we say in a single moment in time, that that's what anchors our lives in a life of faith. You see, uh, closed eyes plus folded hands plus, you know, the proper sinner's prayer does not automatically equal the Christian life of faith. But don't hear what, what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that these kinds of moments, these kinds of prayers can't be significant in a life of faith, can't be uh, a defining moment or building blocks in our life of faith. They're just not the sum total. And I think the problem is when we sort of believe this lie or buy into this lie is that it then can be easy. If, if faith is about a formula, it can be very easy for our faith to be quite small, um, maybe even a bit superficial. It can be like backgrounds or like the wallpaper of our life or just something from our history. Or I think sometimes this paradigm of faith um, creates this chronic sense of anxiety, kind of wondering whether I've done the formula correctly or whether I need to take another stab at the spiritual calculation. So lie number one, when we're looking at the foundations of faith, is that Christianity isn't a formula. And why? Because we believe it's something bigger than that. Now for lie number two. Lie number two is that Christianity isn't about fences. Friends, we live in a world, you know this, uh, where we are obsessed with us versus them. With who's in, who's out, who's right, who's wrong. And I think nowhere is this truer than in religion. And that often we can do this in communities of faith. And that was the case in Jesus' day as well. Look at what Jesus once said to some of the religious elite um, referring to how they were handling their religious rules and ultimately creating fences about who was in and who was out. These are Jesus's words in Matthew 23, 4. It says, the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders and elite of the day, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads in how they handle the rules. And they put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. What Jesus is talking about here is that the only thing the Pharisees were more expert in than the rules themselves was how they used the rules to create these heavy burdens or firm boundaries about who was in and who was out. And in this, this chapter, Jesus goes on a rant talking about all these external things the Pharisees were up to to create these boundaries, like fences to keep others out of a life of faith. In fact, out of their own sort of fear of anyone crossing a line, maybe their own fear and security that they might cross a line. Um, the religious elite created fences around their fences, 
rules about the rules. In fact, there were 613 rules about the rules, about the scriptures that these leaders came up with to kind of create the indicators of whether you could fit in or be kept out. Take the command about keeping a Sabbath day of rest as an example. This is a command in the Ten Commandments that we studied uh, just a few months ago. And uh, well, that command, it gives us this vision for a life built on a rhythm of rest and a few sort of generic examples of how we could learn to live that out. Um, The religious leaders, they actually came up with 39 different categories of work that they prohibited on the Sabbath to kind of demonstrate whether or not you were on the right side of the fence. Um, It included everything around a category around what you could carry or not carry, sort of how many items or how much weight as you walked around on that day, Uh, all the way to things like what articles of clothing could be sewn and mended on the Sabbath and which ones had to wait, wait for a weekday. And friends, this is what's called bounded set thinking, bounded set faith or spirituality, where we we draw a boundary of all these external behaviors and rules about the rules that only if you can comply and sort of demonstrate externally that you can live up to them will you find yourself on the right side of the fence. And if this seems a little bit uh, over the top, I think you know we find ourselves believing this lie or falling into this trap Uh, in faith communities today, uh, in how we approach the Christian faith. Sometimes it's as superficial and external as, you know, do you dress the part and do you look like you could be a person of faith? Might have to do with how you talk. Do you use the right words or the wrong words, even when you talk about your faith? Often it has to do with like uh, uh, what you believe, sometimes about the most challenging or complex or controversial topics, like what you believe about faith and science and how those things fit together. Or even sometimes it's still sort of a Sabbath keeping kinds of things as whether or not you mow your lawn on Sundays. But friends, this fence oriented, bounded set approach to faith, it just isn't true. Jesus reorients the whole thing. To turn this kind of thinking upside down, in Matthew 21, 31, Jesus said, he was speaking to these Pharisees, he said, truly, getting at the truth, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, entering into a life of faith ahead of you. See, the the tax collectors and the prostitutes, um, they were thought to be the furthest outside the fences around the fences. They were most visibly outside of this bounded set that had been created. But Jesus called that out. Jesus said that something different was going on. He said that those who made and managed the fences, they were the ones who were actually missing out on a true version of faith. And that those who were thought most to be on the outside were actually closest to the inside, were actually nearest to the center of a life of faith. Friends, lie number two is that Christianity isn't about fences. And why? Because we believe it's even better than that. So Christianity isn't a formula. Christianity isn't about fences. And lie number three now, Christianity isn't fuzzy. We may wonder, you know, if it's, if it's not about fences and kind of creating these very obvious rules and boundaries that you got to comply with to be in, and also not about formulas of some ceremony or magic process that you got to go through in just the right way, then what is Christianity really about at all? What is the foundation of faith? And I think sometimes we misunderstand Jesus to kind of think that he was probably this like hippie-like character and sort of this anything goes, do as you feel 
mentality. Um, but friends, unlike uh, the show Seinfeld, Christianity, I would say, isn't a show about nothing. And counter to so much of our culture, it's not just this fuzzy whateverism way of living. Look at Jesus' words in Luke 9, 23 to 24. It says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Friends, Jesus was a dude who was about something. Jesus was a guy who had this high calling on his life, and he invited everyone, anyone and everyone who wanted to be in on what he was doing to be about something also and have a high calling on their lives too. If you scour the teaching of Jesus, um, maybe most uh, summatively and famously in what we call his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes anything that sniffs of, of formulas and fences and fuzziness and he, instead he goes right to the, the heart, right to the center, right to the bullseye of a more beautiful calling and invitation. You know, to live lives of enduring fidelity in our relationships. To, to, to live out radical generosity and hospitality to those on the margins. To embrace unconditional forgiveness in our conflicts. To, to be humble and non-judgmental in how we relate to others. To engage in tireless peacemaking, even enemy love. You see, Jesus was anything but fuzzy about what a life of faith could look like. Because here's the problem with the lie of fuzziness. I think sometimes we think that a more fuzzy approach to life and faith is how we can overcome the formulas and the fences. But I think fuzziness has its own pitfalls that are often very similar. You know, when we uh, try to live out a fuzzy faith, it often lends itself toward rugged individualism, where we're all kind of going our own directions, ending up rather divided and lonely. Um, I think it can make us quite purposeless, where uh, we kind of are wandering without a compass, not sure what our aim or direction is in life. And at best, it kind of becomes boring and, and mundane or uncompelling and definitely untransforming. I think when we think of faith as fuzzy, we, we kind of just make it up for ourselves. Sometimes we relate to God uh, like a vending machine, as though God only exists to, to give us what we think we want or need when we think we want or need it. Uh, or even worse, uh, well, it seems like the way to include everybody. Um, fuzziness often causes each of us to kind of make up our own formulas and fences our own passwords and boundaries, where we become the judge and jury of like who's in and who's out, who, who really gets it and who doesn't, you know, who's enlightened and who's out to lunch based on our own definition of the formula or fence, our own bounded set inner out mentality. Friends, uh, Christianity, the third lie is that it, it isn't fuzzy because we also believe it's, it's something bolder than that. Those are the three lies. So if Christianity isn't a formula, it's not about fences, and it's not fuzzy, what, what actually is it? Um, well, the truth that we want to look at, as sort of the first foundation to this Foundations of Faith series that the whole thing is built on, is that Christianity at its heart is about following. 
that, that a life of faith in a faith community like this is about nothing more and nothing less than following the person of Jesus, seeking to orient our lives around him, center our lives around him, and then move in his direction from wherever we are at any moment in our lives. I've quoted a number of verses from the biography of Jesus uh, written by his friend Matthew. And uh, when you get to know the story of Matthew's life a little bit, um, there might be no verse more compelling in Matthew's gospel than this one because it actually marks Matthew's beginning of his foundation of faith. Matthew 9, 9, we read this. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. This is where the author enters the story. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Friends, when it came to uh, formulas and fences, um, Matthew as a tax collector, kind of like I, I already mentioned, you know, he was considered a traitor to his people. He was considered this cheating government employee. Matthew was, you know, the most off on the equation of faith and the furthest outside the fences around the fences. And I can only imagine that his life had also felt a little bit fuzzy up until that point as he, he sort of struggled to find his purpose and his people as he let self-interest consistently get the best of him. But in that moment, he received an invitation, an invitation to faith, an invitation to a true foundation of faith. And what did he do? It says that he got up and he followed Jesus. Friends, at that moment, I'd say that Matthew embraced Christian faith. He embraced the foundation of faith. In that moment, Matthew started living as a Christian. He started orienting his life to Jesus and moving in his direction. He wasn't suddenly transformed into a totally different person, totally different appearance, totally different behaviors, but he was on his, his way to a new life with Jesus. He didn't need a formula. He didn't have to climb over any fences and he was no longer fuzzy. He got up and he followed. That's the truth about the foundation of the Christian faith, that Christianity is about following Jesus, not about formulas. It's not about fence mentalities, um, and it's not fuzzy. It's about orienting our lives to the person of Jesus and seeking to move in his direction. So what about you? Um, on May 1st, 2022, um, what's been your foundation of life? What's been your foundation of faith? And if we want it to be about following Jesus, uh, how can we do that? How can we engage in that together more today, this week, and in this, this new season of our lives? I think uh, the how uh, can be found actually in the very first words ever recorded from Jesus. These come from the Gospel of Mark. It was the first one written, the very first chapter. These are the first things recorded as Jesus saying, he said, the time has come. The time is now. The kingdom of God has come near. This life of faith, it is near. It is available. It is at hand. 
So what do we do? He says, repent and believe the good news. The good news that faith is about Jesus. Now let me call a timeout because I know that words like repent and believe can feel uber religious. And probably that words like that, ideas like that, could come with all kinds of baggage for some of us, maybe especially as it relates to formulas and fences in a life of faith. But if we're going to make the foundation of our faith following Jesus, and this is something Jesus invites us into, I think if properly understood, these words can actually be uber relevant and uber instructive. Um, One of the original interpretations, kind of the more literal interpretation of the word repent, uh, simply means to turn, to to change our direction. Um, In this case, to turn from anything that isn't following Jesus, including our formulas and our fences and our fuzziness, to turn away from those things and to turn toward Jesus. And and the word believe, what we're not talking about here is sort of beliefism, some laundry list of particular beliefs that you have to sort of give proper mental assent to in the right way, in the right order to determine if you're in. No, that's bounded set, fence-oriented faith and thinking. But the word believe is probably better translated trust. It's, It's what we make our life about or invest our life in. A parallel way to understand the word believe is by life that what we believe in is demonstrated by how we live, what we take steps toward to become. So said another way, repent and believe is simply to turn toward and take a next step. In this case, to make the foundation of our faith, turning toward Jesus and taking a next step with him and closer to him, like Matthew, to get up and follow Jesus. This is the Christian life. This is the Christian faith. Turning towards, taking a next step. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And this is what we are about as a faith community. And this is what we want to be about together and support one another in. I wonder for some of us, um, as we kind of assess where our lives are at right now, um, our response, our invitation is simply that idea to turn toward Jesus. You know, that maybe we've been making the aim or the center or the direction of our lives, other things, you know, it could be money and stuff, our achievements and successes, how we've gone about our relationships, um, other escapes and distractions. And, and what we want to do today is we want to turn from those things as the center or direction and turn toward Jesus. Like Matthew, get up from those things and turn towards Jesus. As far as taking a next step is concerned, maybe for some of us, you know, we've recently made that the turn of our lives. um, And it's our chance to to take a next step of celebrating that in baptism, of uh, participating in the celebration and the sharing of your faith story with this community, not as sort of some magical formula or ceremony, but as one of those defining moments, building blocks in your life of faith, building on this foundation of following Jesus. And if that's you, uh, we want to celebrate our next baptism at the end of this month. We're planning for May 29th after this series. And if you want to be part of that, be in touch with us today. Um, Fill out a contact card. Uh, We'll be in touch this week and we will start that journey together. I wonder if for all of us, a helpful next step is just to commit and plan to participate in the rest of this series, to keep building on these foundations of faith in this month uh, together. Um, along with that, uh, in this series, you'll hear more about this at the end of the service, we're, we're launching this week a gospel reading plan through the gospel of Luke. 
uh, spending these four weeks, one chapter a day, reading through the, the gospel of Luke. And friends, I think there's few things more transformative in a life of following Jesus than spending part of our day, often it's best in the earliest parts of our day, um, looking at, listening to, reading, reflecting on the life and stories of Jesus, looking at what Jesus actually did so we can know what it means to follow him in our lives. I, I don't want you to miss out on, on this opportunity to journey through those readings together. So uh, as you hear those details, access that online or in our locations and participate. And finally, we don't want to do any of this alone. Maybe a great step for all of us is to commit to our life groups this month, places where we can process life and faith, these conversations in community. And if you're not in a life group, um, we have a spring group running all month in conjunction with this series in all three locations that's open to anybody. Uh, everyone's invited. Uh, you don't have to commit to the whole thing. You can come once, you can come all four weeks. That starts tonight, Sunday night in our Welland location, uh, Tuesday evening in our Vineland location, and Wednesday evening in our St. Catherine's location. If that could be a help to you, I encourage you to take that next step. Friends, when it comes to the first foundation of faith, it's not formulas that you have to figure out how to get right. It's not fences that you have to somehow uh, live in such a way to just be on the right side and that's what determines your faith. And it's not fuzzy. It's about something. Christianity is about following Jesus, turning toward and taking our next step, getting up and following Jesus. What if all of us this week, kind of no matter where we're at, no matter where we're starting from, um, maybe even if we've experienced uh, hurt and pain from the formulas and fences versions of faith, um, what if this week uh, we had this intention, maybe this daily prayer, uh, where we just said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make that my foundation of faith. <laughs> Help me turn toward you and take my next step today. To me, that's a, a true version of faith that I want to be all in on together. And I wonder if like Matthew, uh, who went from tax collector to follower to gospel bringer to world changer, that this may be a faith foundation that could just change our lives. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that faith is following you. That the, the life of, of fullness that you offer, um, the fullest expression of faith, it's just centered around following you, orienting everything we are around you and seeking to turn toward and take a next step. Help us to, to, to do that today, to to uh, respond to your invitation. And God, I pray that we would not buy into the lies of formulas and fences and fuzziness. I pray that we would be healed from ways uh, as communities we have hurt others or been hurt by formulas, fences, and fuzziness. And could we make it about following? And could we be excited about the adventure you have us on um, to see how our lives might be transformed and changed by making you our faith foundation right at the center, turning to you, taking our next steps. Lead us, we pray in your name. Amen.